Well, greetings and salutations, diabolical everybody, and welcome to our special, The Boys After Show. These are open spoiler discussions, these after shows. So if you have not seen The Boys, episodes one through three, which debuted yesterday, of course, you may want to skip this and come back and join us a little bit later because we are going to talk about all things that happened in The Boys, episodes one through three, uh, in open and spoilery detail. Uh, my name, of course, is John Campy. I'm your host today, also joined by my co-host, Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing? John, I, I, I still have images burned in my brain that are giving me a headache from what I just saw. Um, yeah, we are here to talk about I the feel boys. unclean. Yeah, I mean, listen, look, let's just, here's how today's show is going to go, way. guys. Here's how today's show is going to go. We are going to start off by talking about the boys ourselves and our impressions of the first three episodes. And then we were going to go over and let you guys dictate the rest of it. We're going to hear from you. If you have a thought, observation, theory, question about the boys so far, you can go ahead and fire that in on the super chat and we will answer that uh, a little bit later. So let's get things started here with a little bit of context. Okay. <laughs> when the boys first came out season one of the boys, we were all floored by it. Like, we couldn't yeah. believe... I mean, basically, the show starts with Huey's girlfriend getting blown up from A-Train, just running... I mean, A-Train didn't mean to kill her, but... In the opening scene. Yeah. And with the the level of gore, I remember thinking, oh, they ain't playing around. Yeah. Yeah, They, they it's like they went out of the way right from the beginning to let you know this is what you're in for. They didn't make you wait till the 30-minute mark. It's like, this is what you're in for. And fell in love with the show, loved the second season as well. As the story evolves, Homelander has become maybe the best villain in television. And, like, and that's saying a lot, but I think he is the best villain in television. There's multiple layers to him. He, you, you're always shocked by what level of evil he's willing to go. And every once in a while, we talked about this in the show earlier today. They let us or they make us as the audience sometimes feel empathy for him, whether it's in like the last season when you're finding out more about his childhood. Yeah. Or like even like in this season, like there's that moment. We'll get to it in a, in a minute. But just to bring it up, there's that moment where he's on stage at his birthday broadcast and some guy in the audience yells, your Nazi died. And you like however messed up that whole thing was. He loved her. He did. And now you're having somebody mocking your pain while you're on national television. And like on your birthday, on your birthday, as evil, as twisted, as broken as Homelander is, there are those moments you feel for him. And the, the way they have done that with the show just makes him the most interesting, complex, ruthless, dread inspiring, like ominous villain in television. And it's, I just can't get enough of it. Dude, I, I can't either. I've never watched anything, not a movie, not a TV show. And you used the word earlier today, you just use it now, that filled me with more dread than he does. And, and they've shown us that like whenever he gets his face too close to anybody, you don't know whether they're walking away yeah. or they're going to be left a smoldering, uh, their skull is just going to be an empty smoldering husk. And it is, he his performance, Anthony uh, Starr, I think it yeah, is. Just absolutely terrifying. I mean, he's, he's, he, somebody should trademark his evil smile. Like <laughs> there was a lot of time and you saw it in the trailers where he's playing, the camera would push in and the, he's trying to smile for the cameras. And then suddenly you'd see the thin veneer of crack. Which is what they used in a promo spot about two months ago. For, yeah. And we were all like, oh my God. Like, yes. Like, like <laughs> I and love that thing. Just, <laughs> I mean, his performance is so great. And yet, and yet, at the same time, he also, the his storylines, what's going on with him, like, when he goes up against Giancarlo Esposito, and, and like, Giancarlo Esposito is a human character. As far as we know, he doesn't have powers. Right. And he just stands right up to him. Yeah, he doesn't give a crap. He doesn't care. And and I, the, I think what's so great is that his character interplay, whether he's talking to Queen Maeve or in this, uh, this season so far, Starlight, the relationships he has with people are very nuanced. Yeah. Like there's people he walks away from in a huff. Like he's your mad girlfriend that'll leave. You know, and and there's so much to him. He's not, he's so multifaceted. You just can't take your eyes off him when he's on the screen. You know, and that reminds me of like one of my absolute favorite scenes 
of this season so far, which is when he goes to Butcher's house. And and the thing is, Billy Butcher, other than what's Giancarlo Esposito's character's name again? I like Stanford or Stanford. I, I can't. Guys in the live chat, help me. What's what's the character's name again? But anyway, other than him, like Billy Butcher is he's he confounds I think Homelander a little bit because he knows that Homelander's a monster, right? And he is still willing to be absolutely defiant of him, threaten him. Like he's just, and I think that to Homelander is, it, it confounds him, but it, it also, I think he loves, thank you. Uh, Kevin writes in Stan Edgar. Thank you guys. Right. Daniel wrote that in as well, as well as Arun. Stan Edgar. Like, I think the fact that Butcher is just F you to his face, knowing that any second you just blow his head off. Like, I think that, confuses Homelander too. And that scene when they're just sitting on opposite sides of the table, it's like, I, I don't know, it's almost like watching Batman and the Joker sitting at a table and they're just having that discussion. It's like, I was completely riveted the whole time in that scene. Uh, it was great. And again, the, this is how, this is a testament to how good that show is, that these two characters don't have to be fighting. There's no lasers being exchanged. They're having a conversation. And I think Homelander does have a grudging respect for Butcher as well. Yes. Like the fact that he stands up to him, that there is no fear. And you saw there. that a little bit at the end of season one in the finale of season one as well. Absolutely. And, you know, they share the interests of this child. And yeah. Obviously, they had something of romantic interest. Call it romantic interest in common. Uh, and that, I think, speaks to why the show, despite all the crazy shenanigans and all of the the plotting and the superhero action, the gore, this is a character-based show. Yep. And and it has driven a true ensemble cast, as we've seen in, in this third season with these three episodes. There's all kinds of stories that are truly intertwining. There isn't necessarily, I mean, we've got the stars, yes, but there's a lot going on here. And it jumps around from story to story. And each story is very, very satisfying. I never think, oh, I don't want to watch the story. Yeah. I want to get back to this story where even in stranger things, I'm like, I don't like, I don't need to be in Alaska anymore. You know, take me yeah. away. But this, this show, the plotting and the writing is just, it's tremendous. Like even whether you're talking about the a train side story that's going on, Huey's personal journey of like finally feeling like he's making a difference in the world and then realizing nope, he's been played all along again. And you see that development is now he's like, nope, Billy, you're right. And like he's he's come to that point, whether you're looking at Frenchie's side story, whether you're looking at the deep side story, like all of these stories, like the, the one scene ends and they go to the next story. And I never feel like, oh, can we get back to that other thing? Like every one of these side stories is working for me. And everyone is surprising. Yeah. Like you never know like where and they're constantly pulling the rug out from under you. And I, I love that. It's so hard to do. And it's. It's such compelling television, all in the service of this NC-17 rated comic book adaptation. Yeah. And and it, it's, I, I honestly, you know, Chris Carr was saying this today on the show. I think this show is better than its comic book origins. Well, we've thought that since season one. Yeah. Like, this is one of those examples where the on-screen adaptation exceeds the original iteration of it. And I think you and I are both in agreement. This might be so far the strongest season yet. Yeah. I mean, we're only three episodes in and, and I have loved the boys up to now, but, and that's saying something that we're, we're three episodes in. We're saying as much as we've loved the other seasons, this is the best season so far. Yeah. And it, it might fall off a cliff a little bit later on. Right. But by the way, we're talking about how season one, they announce what kind of show it is with, with a train running right through Huey's girlfriend, blowing her up. They do it again. They, they like, in case you forgot that the boys is not just, another kind of comic book superhero thing you'll get on CW just in case you forgot. Let us, as we begin season three, introduce you to a new soup termite. Oh my God. I I have like, I'm sitting down with Anne to watch the first episode and like, we're just a couple of minutes in and like several times and uttering what the fuck <laughs> like what is happening and like when they first showed that the first of all the guy says i want you inside of me i'm thinking okay so they're gonna have sex yeah, and, and by the way that's what he meant too sweaty like raw two really good looking guys about to engage in a little uh a little uh 
Yeah, a, a little fun in the back yeah. back room there. So he says, well, inside and say, okay, we know where this is going. No, we didn't. No, we thought we knew where this is going. We didn't know where this is going. And even when he shrinks down, I, I, it harkens back to a scene in the like the soup underground club in season one when we see another character shrink down and like run up the butthole of somebody else right so we're thinking oh that's where they're going and even when the scene begins and you see him this tiny and you see this giant from his perspective this giant cave i'm thinking oh my god they're showing his butt wait a minute wait a minute that's not his butt Wait, they're not going to do this. Tell, oh God, they're they're doing this. What? And he's I mean, like, <laughs> I, so I have to say, I, it, for the first time in my life, I mean, I've seen pornographic images in my life, but I've never seen a close up of the tip of a, a, a giant urethra and watching a character crawl up inside of it. I literally nope, it, can't say I've had that experience, John. It took me a minute. I, I literally had to stop and be like, and I was thinking. Like somebody, if, whether there's a CG element in here, like somebody had to make that. Like, you know, it was but here's the fun thing about just, it. This is the really interesting thing about this. Okay. So he goes in, they, they kind of give us a foreshadowing with the sneeze. First, when he's standing outside, he go inside, the sneeze happens again, the gratuity and the grossness of him blowing up. But that was all not just shock value it actually played into setting up our understanding of the world and the story where we're at. Yeah. Because that whole scene was used to set up our understanding of this is where the boys, Huey, the government, and Vought are all at, done through that penis incursion. So it's <laughs> so we find out, we find out here that it, it, they use that to set up, they use the termite situation to set up the fact that Huey's now working with this federal uh, department, they were doing this. We have find out understanding that they have to wheel and deal with what sometimes like, all right, we got termite, but we're going to cut him loose in exchange. We're going to get these three others. They like civilian casualties are down 60%. We are doing good. The boys are now actually working hand in hand with the government. Yeah. And so that's, that's where the brilliant lies. Any five-year-old, like I often talk about like with comic book movies and Marvel when it comes to cameras, any five-year-old can say, man show up i mean any five-year-old can write that any deluded 14 year old can come up with how about a tiny man goes into a guy's dick and he blows up like anybody can come up with that but when you pair that within a way to that you're building your narrative oh, yeah. you're building your world that's where the genius of the show comes in and, and, and there's an extra added level to that because there was all that online chatter after Endgame came out or Infinity War where fans threw out that theory like, well, Ant-Man could just shrink down and go upside inside yeah. <laughs> Thanos' butt and get bigger. Well, they did that, but they put a twist on it. Yeah. So clearly they're paying attention to the meme world, you know, and, and it, it was so, it, first of all, it was so shocking. But like you said, it was still not just, it was gratuitous and horrific, but in the service of the story. Right. So in a way, it's really not gratuitous because <laughs> right. it actually had purpose narratively and function. And and that's the thing, like everything, like right from Nadia or whatever is, uh, what's, what's the, the girl's name who's the head of the department? Yeah. It, uh, it, Nadia's I, I, her fake name. I, I mean, yeah, her whatever. Real name. Yeah. When she's like, when she's killing her friend and we have that oh, awful shot of his bottom jaw blown off <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. We learn about her history. We learn about her connection. The fact that that happens drives her back to to Stan, Stan Edgar, right? Or whatever. It's that called. raised her. Yeah, that, found that raised her. her and, and we learn about that, that he's got a really So every seemingly gratuitous thing is actually a narrative prompt that leads us into essential story. Yes. And that's where this show like confounds expectations a hundred percent and you know something else the the gratuitous bodily violence in this film is something that would actually occur if these characters existed in real life you know when we watch man of steel i never had a problem at the end that superman killed zod he had no choice what's he gonna do with him? Yeah. yeah no choice there's no jail that can hold him you can't throw him into the sun it'll just make him more powerful and if you don't break his neck now the fight just continues Millions more die. Millions more die. This, though, shows what would actually happen. Like, here are two guys engaging in lovemaking. The danger, one sneeze can ravage. I mean, whatever it is you're doing. I don't doing. even know if I'd call that lovemaking. Uh, what, yeah, whatever, <laughs> I I, whatever it was. I don't know what to call that. I mean, but, but I mean, it, it does show that even the most, these activities, 
you, these characters, these soups pose a danger to sentient life around the planet, even if somebody could do so much as sneeze and how dangerous these people really are. And even though it's funny and entertaining and, and horrific, it still reminds you that this is what it would be like if these, you know, we, we think that superheroes are nice, you know, that there's, you read Marvel and DC comics. Oh yes, the Justice League of America. But this is showing what the real world ramifications of these kind of powers would actually be. So that's another thing is that they've really done a good job of going, setting up these, these scenarios that could happen. It's like no one's throwing a meteor or Thanos isn't bringing down part of a moon on someone's head. This is just stuff that would happen in, well, maybe not this particular instance, <laughs> but in daily life, like you, like in the alleyway, when these two characters are fighting using their powers, suddenly someone gets their entire jaw blown off. And that's what would happen if these people were that powerful without that invulnerability. And you're constantly reminded just how dangerous these people really are. And let, let's fast forward a little bit too, because they remind us of that. But then we come back to the major story arc in season two, which is Stormfront. And we see Stormfront, Stormfront again. Oh. And she's like, obviously, you know, um, uh, what's Homelander's son's name again? Ricky? No, it's not Ricky. It's, I can't remember the name. I, I, yeah. But what the, the boy did to her, like leaving her completely like, deformed and all that kind of stuff. And Homelander comes in and the first thing she does is using, uses her one arm to give him a hand job. But here again, here's the thing. Her jacking him off in that hotel room, which I didn't wake up today. think I was going to have conversations about her. It's like her, it's like her, her, care, her hospice yeah, her facility care room, whatever. Yeah. Like jack him off. That was a physical representation of everything she was doing to him in the first season. Yep. She was manipulating him by meeting what he thought were his needs every step away. So you can look at it saying, oh, they're just doing like a gross little joke of a one-armed girl jacking him off. No, no, no. That was a physical embodiment of what she, that was a physical living metaphor of everything she had been doing to him from the moment she met him in season two. And she, and it was brilliant the way they did that. And she's a complete, as you can see, a complete mess. Yep. And yet she's still talking to him about establishing the fourth right. By the way, everybody in the live chat, thanks for letting me know that the kid's name is Ryan. Thank you. Not uh, Ricky, yeah. it's Ryan. I mean, I mean, even in the state she's in, she's still like, we can still establish the fourth right, you yeah. know, and 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 so her eye is still on the prize, her one eye, because the other one's scarred over. And this this just goes to show you how these characters are so well drawn and still remain, even though she's incapacitated in a hospital bed or whatever, she's still not giving up the dream and she's still trying to convince him. And by the way, Charlize Theron. That stormfront in the movie. Like when they see Charlize Theron, I'm like, okay, that's just perfect. I mean, what is she, what is she, did, did Charlize Theron just say, you know what? I think I'm going to cameo. I'll do the MCU. I'll be over on the boys. Well, I remember Seth MacFarlane and Seth Rogen and all these guys have worked with her a lot, right? So right. They, they have a connection in history. So true. all Seth Rogen, who a lot of people forget, he's one of the producers of this show. Yeah, yeah. Just give her a call. Say, she's just, sure. Here I come. And, and she was great. I oh, love, yeah. I love her story, yeah. that. And that was another thing that the parody of, of whether it's they, they even referenced the Snyder cut. You know, they do a joke and thank you yeah, for the, the hashtag or whatever. cut. It's so like, good. so the way they mock and and lampoon like everything and everybody in this, like it's just it's, by the way that I, I, on that note, I don't know that I laughed harder in a long time. Then welcome to Queen Maeve's inclusive kingdom at Vaughnland. <laughs> Queen Maeve's inclusive kingdom at Vaughnland. I'm so glad producer Jonathan had this image ready to go. I was like, oh my God. And I just left because I mean, obviously, this is a very this show makes it lives on sociopolitical commentary. Yes. And normally very anti-right sociopolitical commentary. Like the, the whole show is very anti-right wing, whatever. But if you're on the left, you're, <laughs> hey, listen, everybody's fair game. So they'll take shots at everybody Everyone. and everything. And going to brave, sorry, it's not queen, brave Maves inclusive kingdom. I just about, I'm like, they will do 
anything. And then you get to like gunpowder talking about, which of course we've, we've seen this gunpowder up there. Well, this guy is going to say, he wants to indoctrinate your children to hate America and they're going to come and take your gun. It's like, they're going after everybody on every, oh, yeah. whatever spectrum they're on, whether you're left or right or straight or gay. Or and whatever. that's Sean Patrick <laughs> Flannery. That's who that was. I was like, I'm like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, they, they just go after everybody and, like I thought they did that a lot in seasons one and two. Yeah. They've ramped that up oh, here uh, like to the nth degree. Absolutely. I mean, and again, you know, the same way that South Park goes after everyone, you know, yes. there's no the sacred cows. I mean, it, this and that's again, that's what makes this show so biting. No one is safe. Not the characters aren't safe. Political commentary isn't safe. No one, no, the audience isn't safe. That's what I love about this show. You, there are seldom places in entertainment now that go to the places this show goes. Yeah, under the guise of a comic book adaptation. And again, it never does any of it gratuitously. There's always a story point to it, or a way that it serves the story. Well, and I'll tell you another thing I really liked about these first three episodes: Huey and his relationship with Starlight. Yeah, I love you know, it. it starts out at first. It's really secure. They're working together. They're going to bring Vought down and all that. But then they introduce a wrinkle. You know, there's several uh, several wrinkles. But when they introduce Starlight's old boyfriend from her Christian days when she was singing and he was in a Christian boy band and they were the first people to sleep together and he might be the next member of the seven. They introduce this whole thing. And I and you kind of at first you want him to be a dick. But then you kind of like him because yeah. he's like a nice guy. Like, again, subverting the expectations. Yeah, over under episode 5.5 when that guy dies. <laughs> over under, like, does he make it past halfway through episode five or does he die before halfway through episode five? Because I don't think he's long for this world. Yeah, no, I don't think <laughs> he's long for the world. Yeah, I think they're. I think I'll go over. I think he might get to episode six. Maybe. Guy, what's the character's name? Guys in the live chat, uh, Starlight's ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Supersonic? Supersonic, yeah. Supersonic. Supersonic. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna put right now uh, a, a, a poll for you guys in the live chat. Does Supersonic live to episode six? So does Supersonic live to see episode six? I've just posted that in the live chat. So uh, yeah, go ahead and vote on that poll. We'll see what you guys have to say about that. But again, our, our, our main character has to navigate these waters Yeah, and they keep throwing stuff. I mean, that poor kid, man. <laughs> I mean, this episode, there's one revelation after another. And here he is. He's had a good job with the government for like a year. Yeah. Finally been winning. <laughs> and or so he thought. Yeah. And it was, it's just the way that the, the character interplay happens and it's and this idea you you, you think that Homelander is going to get one on him when Starlight's going to be co-captain of the right. seven and you figure oh okay maybe Starlight's going to get one over on him and at first at first she seems to you know you're going to help me and we're going to do the causes that I believe in and then by the dude the end of that third episode was absolutely chilling I mean that when when i mean talk about the in our whole age of consent you know talking about the me too movement and all this she got the ultimate homelander chilling disgusting me too we're in love and then he he kisses her on live tv and you see well, that she kissed him well yes yeah, she, like she just like there you could tell in her face without dialogue she made this is what was really good about the scene you could tell she was having an internal conversation with herself yes. very quickly and determined I'm going to manipulate him in this situation. Yes. I'm going to take control of this situation. And again, I was the whole episode. I was wondering what was with the beginning of episode three? What was the point of showing her back in her pageant days? And then they remind you it was. So the fist behind the back, we knew exactly now what that represented. And it was uh, such a, a great thing. But by the way, we haven't really talked about what it ultimately looks like. What is the arc what is the, the lost arc in this movie? What is our MacGuffin? And it's fascinating because in episode, in seasons one and two, it's just always known and assumed. There is no stopping Homelander. Right. There's try to manipulate him as much as you can, try to keep him contained as much as you can. There's no destroying him. Season three, they've introduced a MacGuffin that there is a weapon out there that they believe can stop Homelander. By the way, did you notice when they mentioned that Homelander is as strong as Soldier Boy? 
I, I had no idea they were going to say Soldier Boy was that powerful, yeah. but whatever. But but then, you know, Mallory said, well, we don't know for sure that the weapon could have killed Homelander. But the fact that they've actually introduced a MacGuffin in this, that there is a weapon that can kill Homelander. And that is actually a lost arc that we can now physically feel pushing our main characters towards going through. And I kind of love it so far. No, I, I, I love it too. And look, I, I really did love the introduction of Soldier Boy and how it was done. And he's we, such a dick, such a dick. And we get a great again, unexpectedly, a great flashback sequence to, you know, a military operation. We get to see young versions of our of, of our main some of our main principal secondary characters. One being that younger Giancarlo Esposito. Oh, my God. That wasn't he perfect. Perfect casting, perfect acting. I completely, I never for a second doubted that that they somehow went into a time machine, went back in time, got a younger Giancarlo Esposito to do the scene. That's how good it was. And then you realize, you know, how long Vought has been trying to get the military to use soups. Yeah. And it's been, this has been something that's been, they've been trying to do for decades. And then, of course, another thing they introduce is, is VX, Compound VX or yeah. whatever, which is allows, again, another great conceit. It allows people to get powers for 24 hours. And, you know, Butcher is tempted. The Pandora's box. I mean, here's the temptation of of Christ, you know, on the cross. Oh, come on. You can you don't have to. You can get down like in Scorsese's movie. Yeah. And here here is his Butcher. Is he going to? And of course, he gives into the temptation. But he but he didn't give into it. It was he had reached. The way they set this up was well, so yes, beautiful. he didn't give into it because first he reached the highest point he's been in the show. He looks at the video that Ryan made for him, thinking of his Becca and him, and he realizes Hugh was right. There is more to life. There's things there to grasp and hold on to and love and enjoy. And he gets on the phone with Huey to tell him, "I'm done. I'm done. There, you were right." We have, we can be happy. And it's when he hits that peak that Hugh tells him the thing that we thought was going our way this whole time, this last year, it's all Vought. We've been manipulated. And everything you see, everything for Billy Butcher come crashing down because I feel like narratively, had he not looked at that video first and just heard from Huey, I don't think he would have taken it. But the fact that he just watched that video felt a glimmer of hope in his heart to have it ripped away five seconds later. That's what left him in a spot that's going, I'm going to shoot them. I will do whatever it takes. And that's why this show is such a great show is because this kind of writing, I mean, this is really Shakespearean level stuff. I mean, maybe it's not Hamlet, but it's up there. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's pretty incredible. And the way, there's no there's no reason that this show should be as well written as it is, but that's a perfect example of how good the writing on this show is. It's incredible. And by the way, does anybody think Soldier Boy is dead? Obviously, he's not dead. Of course not. I mean, I believe there is a weapon. I, I believe there's a weapon that probably incapacitated him or whatever, but I don't believe for one second uh, that he's actually dead. He's I'm, clearly still alive. He's Captain America. He's yeah. frozen, he's frozen something. somewhere. Something's going on. He's going to come out and, and there you go. So anyway, guys, that's our general thoughts so far on uh, season three, episodes one through three of The Boys. I'm sure there's a lot more to talk about, but I'll let you guys dictate what we talk about from here on out, because that's what we're going to do now. We're going to take your live comments, thoughts, questions, observations, theories, whatever. But before we get to those, and we will get to those in just a second, uh, two things I want to do. First, I want to go and visit our... Uh, poll that we put up and we asked does supersonic live to episode six 30 only 39 percent of you think he does 60 percent of you not 40 percent 40 percent of you say yes he lives to episode six 60 percent of you are saying no he does not live to episode six so there's that <laughs> all right guys now before we start going to your comments and thoughts that you guys are throwing in we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this episode our friends over at mint mobile Guys, we want to thank the sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. You know the one with the delightful ads with good Canadian kid Ryan Reynolds? So look, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, is that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 
$15 a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. And guys, that's no joke because for years I've been using one of the major providers and it was fine. But I switched over to Mint Mobile a little while ago. The service has been fantastic. And the big difference is I'm now paying about one third of what I was paying before. And the best part for anybody who just hates their phone bills is that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. All their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this show here on the John Campy YouTube channel. By the way, guys, when you support our sponsors, and I highly encourage you, I switched over to Mint Mobile. It's amazing. I'm paying like one third of what I was paying before. But when you use our sponsors, you're actually supporting our show as well. So make sure, do yourself a favor, save some money, get a great phone service. Check out the link for Mint Mobile down in the description of this video below. All right, guys, with that down now, let's go on over and start taking your live comments and questions. Uh, what do we got here? First of all, we've got uh, Corey Harper. Can you do me a favor, Jonathan, in StreamLouts, can you go into the filter and turn off everything except for the Super Chats? Uh, just because we're getting like subscribers and everything in there too. Corey Harper writes, Robert Singer for president. Again, of course, Robert, uh, or um, what's Kripke? Eric, Eric Kripke, who is the... Um, executive producer of this, the showrunner of the show. He was, of course, the same guy who got Supernatural going. And the actor who played Bobby is now playing the Democratic nomination nominee for thing. And his name, Bobby Singer, uh, which is great to see. So it's so cool seeing both. Je I, they've got to find a way <laughs> to have a scene with Soldier Boy and Bobby, Bobby yeah. Singer. They've got to have a way to do that. I want to see... Uh, my Dean and Bobby reunion on there. All right. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Jerome writes, think Mallory was wrong for keeping that secret. I, I don't listen. She's already going after trying to kill soups. What secret could, could, could she be afraid of? Like when she said, Oh, they'll kill me for saying, well, are you kind of already in that kind of zone? So I, I don't know. I mean, really, I don't see how it would have changed anything for Marvin, like for Mother's Milk. Like knowing that story, the details of it. Right. How does knowing that story help Marvin? I'm not sure. So I don't really blame her all that much for hiding it. No, you? no, I don't. I don't. No. I, you, yeah, no. All right. Next up. Because what's what, what's going to Yeah. What would it change? <laughs> yeah. All right. Ryan uh, Gerger writes. Hey, John, the upcoming episode six is the hero gasm episode. And when will we see soldier boy in present day in what episode? I honestly don't know when we're going to see him again. I, I don't know how much. I mean, I'm kind of surprised we've already seen him in the show. Yeah. And I honestly don't know if we're going to see him in present day. I I I'm assuming we will, but oh, I don't know for sure. I think we will. I mean, wherever he's, wherever he's, I mean, look, Stormfront's from the day, back in the day. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, I guess they were at some point contemporaries, maybe. I mean, I think that whatever this MacGuffin is, I think that's where we're also going to find Soldier Boy. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably whatever. right. Uh, maybe it's underneath that nuclear power plant. Who knows? I don't know where it is, but we're going to see him. All right. He's gonna, there's going to be a fight. Yeah, I agree. All right. Next up. I wonder if we're going to see Homelander fight Soldier Boy. Oh, I think we are. Which... I mean, I'm waiting for the Billy Butcher and Homelander fight, but I would also very much, yes, please, I would very much like to see a Soldier Boy versus Homelander fight. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Uh, where are we at here? Ethan Holgate uh, writes, uh, or sorry, Corey Harper writes, same that somebody else said, Robert Singer for president. Ethan Holgate writes, get to the prostate. Why did he want that? Dude, I don't know why he wanted any of that. <laughs> I th th like that. I don't want nothing to do an excursion up the pee hole. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see. Next up, we got Jerome writes, think Victoria gen uh, genuinely likes Hugh, Huey. Yeah, I do. I, uh, I think she does. Oh, I like absolutely. Him. I completely agree. I think everybody like because he is a he's a good person. He's a good worker, good yeah. employee. Why would you, you know? I mean, we may find out differently, but I was actually thinking if she had found, if she had seen him hiding behind the dumpster when that happened, I don't think she necessarily would have killed him. I, I think don't she think probably so either. Would have 
pleaded with him to try to get him to see her side of things. But I don't know. We'll, we'll find out, I'm sure, at some point. Okay, next up. We've got Mike Joyce who writes, I think I was more horrified by Timothy's death than the embiggening scene. I'll tell you what, the dude. dude who plays the deep, I've always thought he is great in this role. Great. But he made us care about a CGI squid. He made us care about a CGI. It was, he's was, was praying. He's like, uh, I, I, again, I, I lost. I, I I laughed. I shouldn't have. I feel bad. I laughed out loud when he's saying that. I mean, that again, that was Homelander being as uh, the, at his most sadistic. He's most evil. And, and, and going after some. Oh, what, God, there's the scene. Uh, <laughs> and dude, this scene, this scene, how much like he swallowed this thing whole. Like I, I was I was cringing and laughing and just cr- I, I, this scene was just and he played it so well. So good. And the, he's got kids. He's great as a, I'm he's telling you, he's great. As a, and again, another example of he's, I mean, look, the way we get introduced to him in the show in season one, he's a monster. But they've also made us feel empathy for him a number of times. I still, one of the funniest moments in television history is when he's trying to drive the van away with the dolphin in the back and the dolphin dies. It's like, oh my God. Okay. Anyway, okay. Sorry. Can I also talk about something I loved in this? The fact that he's now starring in the TV movie of the week about his experience being indoctrinated in yeah. his cult. And, you know, the, the, the Hallmark, the Vought Hallmark channel version. What are you going to do about it? Run. <laughs> just, I just love that these superheroes play themselves in movie versions of their... <laughs> it's just so nuts. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, we've got uh, Attack of the Mushi rights. Uh, if you take away my love, then I'll be feared. Well, listen, they... Every season, you think, okay, that's the moment that they really reveal how horrific Homelander is. But then they do it again, and they up it. And they, they keep finding a ways to make it more and more ominous, more and more dread-inducing. That whole speech he gives about, I want them to love me. Like, I want to be loved. I do. But I'm okay being feared. And it, it also is showing how each one of the th- the controls that are in place to sort of temper or, or hold down his behavior is slowly being taken away. And that video was a big thing. Like, oh, we don't, if this video gets out, you'll be disgraced. No one will love you. Now he doesn't care. Yeah. So I go ahead. I'll just, I'll just, yeah. And, and I'll kill everybody. I, I kill everyone, which means that how do you control this person? All right. Next up, uh, we've got Ethan Holgate who writes, seriously, John, I'm so freaking in love with this show. And also uh, Kimiko's fascination with music in, uh, in interesting to wonder if it will lead to something. It must. Yeah, because, you know, in her own fantasy, she starts singing. I mean, I remember when that was happening and was like, wait a minute, when did she start talking? Uh, it's like so obviously part of the fantasy, the the things that we've seen the, in previous seasons that she's got to think about music, too. I do hope it leads somewhere that, that, that when she's sitting on the porch having that conversation with Ryan, like it. It's pretty moving. I mean, for a yeah, character abs- that doesn't speak, she says a lot. Absolutely. And no, they're clearly building up to something. I agree. All right. Next up, we got uh, Ojas Grady writes, I realized what you meant, Rob, about the end of episode three. The Starlight and Homelander thing had me uh, molding. I'm not sure what that means, but what is it called? Homelight. 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 And, you know, you knew they were going there the moment uh, Ashley, is, it, is that the PR girl? Yeah, yeah. Ashley. Ashley comes in and says, people love you in Starlight. I was like, oh, no, I know where this is going now. And then especially when Huey said, no, you need to stay there and do whatever it takes. Oh, I know where this is going now. Um, it's, whoo, it's, it's, uh, but you know what I would love to see? Listen, Starlight is no joke. No, no. Right? Like, she can't kill Homelander. I would be very interested to see what happens if she hit Homelander like with her with a full shot because they've shown she's very powerful. Absolutely. No. I, and I think we're going to see. I mean, the question that that with with all of these these controls that are in place to control Homelander, is he going to go full on? There's a comic book that Alan Moore wrote called Miracle Man. There's a lot. Oh, of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And in issue 15 of that, the villain, the bad character goes to London and just starts slaughtering innocents and putting heads on pikes, kills thousands and thousands of people as he waits for Miracle Man to show up. And I wonder in this show, because I don't, 
we saw glimpses of like his fantasy of killing everyone at that that press conference yeah, outside. Yeah, back for season two. I'm wondering if 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 there's going if this goes full apocalyptic, where he yeah. he because that's what they're doing. They're removing any controls anyone has over yeah. him, and once they're gone, what's left? What's going to happen? All right. Next up, we've got Suthius who writes. Homelander is the type of being who wouldn't mind at all if he wipes out every single human and soup on the planet. But if he does, there'd be no one, uh, no one to worship him. Just constant internal battle. Mm -hmm. But here's where this is the thing. I disagree. This is what makes Homelander such a fear inducing, but fascinating villain. This show through season one and season two and in season three. They show that underneath all that as much evil and self-centeredness and everything that there is, he is not immune to his actual human emotions. Right. Right. And we have seen many times through this thing that he can act like he doesn't care. And then suddenly he's devastated and suddenly he's actually hurt. And suddenly he does care. Right. So, I mean, I could see him wiping out a city, taking out New York, but then later being crushed by the guilt of it. Yeah. And he does say he does set up. He talks about what he would do. Yeah. Again, first I'll take out the power grid and then I'll do this. And it's like, <gasps> so, Oh, God. I mean, that's, that's Chekhov's gun. You know, he's, he's already laid it out. Yep. All right. Next up, we got Mr. 47 who writes, I love that the boys does and says everything that Marvel and DC could never do. It doesn't hold anything back. Nothing is off limits. Yep. Yeah. And listen, that's fine because that's the kind of show that uh, the boys is. The fact that nothing's off limits is not what makes the show good. What makes a show good is next level, unbelievable writing. Yes. It's just accentuated with all the gore and all this other kind of stuff, right? That kind of stuff. If suddenly you threw it into a DC thing or a Marvel thing, it would be so out of place and it would just, it would come across as desperate and pathetic and wouldn't work. It would in a lot of places, but in the boys, the nature of that show, this is what that show needs to be. And uh, it's just amazing what they're able to do there, man. All right, next up. Uh, we've got Mr. 47 writes in again. He writes between uh, Atlanta, Stranger Things, Obi-Wan, The Boys, Miss Marvel and Andor. We are truly spoiled with content to watch. Time to break out the TV dinners. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I went from watching... And it's episode four of Stranger Things, right into watching uh, the episodes of The Boys. It's like there's so much good stuff on. So TV much good now. stuff. By the way, I didn't mention this today. A really, really good friend of mine who I trust implicitly has another friend that saw most of Andor, Ooh. and said it's incredible. Says next level. Like it's I heard of that. all the shows that it's it's uh, yeah a step above. But the trailer was incredible. Next up, uh, we've got CJ Rebirth who writes, Oh my God, did not think my intro uh, to this world would be exploding bodies. That termite scene and uh, and Aya Cash looking like that. Also, Love Hugh slash Starlight pairing. I, you know what? I think it was, even though I hate romantic relationships in superhero movies, it was, while I was already shocked by the boys, I think it was in season one when we started seeing Huey and Starlight. That I'm like, now it's got me, you know, now this show has me because they're showing they can do all these different levels. Um, that is just incredible. All right. Next up, Crashing Coyote writes, I think The Boys season three is the best show of the year so far. I'm not willing to say that three episodes in. Right. Because this because remember, we've seen shows start strong in seasons and then go right off a cliff. So I'm not ready to say that. But I will say like I've I've seen the first bit of Stranger Things. I think this is better than Stranger Things, I, and I'm I, loving Stranger I, Things. I, I do too. It, it it appeals to me in a different way than it's, yeah. it's always going to have more that interests me than Stranger Things does. But this is really strong. By the way, I was going to say the actors, like even when Stormfront gets to portray herself in bed with one arm, and these actors must be having the best they must time. be having a blast a blast and i mean <laughs> even when they're doing terrible horrible things or they're they're you know laid up in bed they must just be loving this yeah uh, and i i i want to see behind this i want to be on that set so bad it's, it's i want to be there so, so bad all right next up we got jerome who writes think butcher will become a villain no butcher's not going to become a villain he, he's if nothing else he's so tethered to the memory of becca he's so tethered now to ryan he ain't going villain uh next up 
Jerome also writes, theories for episode four, none, don't care. I mean, it's obviously at some point in the show, Soldier Boy, obviously at some point we're going to see uh, Butcher and Homelander fight. I mean, that's 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 literally in one of the promo images, them shooting their eyes. I mean, there's going to be, Huey and Starlight are going to have it out. Yeah, there's going to be a conversation. There's going to be some there. And again, Starlight cannot stand against Homelander, but she could probably get and some And she's going to say, you told me to stay here. This happened because of you. Yeah. I was doing what you told me. All right, next up. Uh, oh, yeah. I think Huey was wrong to go back to Butcher. No, it was the right thing to do. He tried to do it one way and realized, oh, no, Vought's got this all covered. The only way we can fight this, we tried to do it the right way. We tried to do it the above board way. The only way we can fight these people is Billy Butcher's way. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I don't think he was wrong. I think there's going to be there's going to be a cost to it. There's definitely going to be a cost and a price to pay for it but he knows it was the only way. All right, next up, we got Dr. J who writes, I laughed at that Ant-Man entering Thanos joke, but I'm not laughing anymore. That little bastard crawling up the pant leg was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Frenchie's pant when, leg. Yeah, Frenchie's on the ground. And he does this little, like, should be a funny little visual. Oh, he's crawling up his leg. You are terrified. Terrified. For Frenchie. It's like, what could happen here? Like that? Oh, oh my God. Man. <laughs> like, he can do, like, real damage. Real. Oh, I, that was. And I love the fact they, they play that same thing. Like, even though he's small, he still has the power as if he was. Yeah, of the full grown, the full, full and it was thing. great throwing him around. And oh god! By the way, Butcher putting him into a bag of cocaine. How <laughs> like, freaking! Only the boys can do this. All right, uh, Stephen Wolf writes. Hey guys, Eric, uh, Chris, you probably meant Kripke, has an incredible mind for storytelling. Zaslav, the axe murderer, should look into hiring him as the head, the DC head. Oh no. man. No, 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 no. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, Supernatural is like my favorite CW show of all time. I, I was heavily invested in that show for all 15 of its seasons. I love the boys, but his storytelling like, I, I don't want him confined into something like DC. It, 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 and it's not the right fit for DC. Right. That is not what DC is or what DC should be. So, but I, I mean, I wouldn't mind if they decided, hey, we're going to bring him on as a writer of one project. So that would be cool. But head of DC, no, that's that's not a good fit at all. All right. Not to mention, he's not a studio executive. He He's a creator. He's a showrunner. He's not a studio executive. All right. Uh, let's see. Julian Mott just sends in a $10 super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Julian. Appreciate that. Uh, Wayne, uh, Wayne Denny writes, love the bit when the director was hooking up in the bathroom with Ashley. She says, you're, I died when this happened. Dude, you're died. a fraud. Gilroy finished the movie. I know. Of course, that's a callback to real life. Um, uh, Rogue One joke, maybe. Yep, that was. A, I mean, that was an obvious was so Rogue One awesome. joke. And I also loved like how. By the much- way, I'll say for those you don't know, Tony Gilroy actually came in and oversaw the reshoots on Rogue One, and he finished the movie. So her riding him in the bathroom and then saying, "You're a fraud." Tony Gilroy finished the movie. I'm like, oh my god! Again, nobody's off limits. They went after everything. And then I was like, are they assuming she's like pull my hair? Pull and it he, out. Yeah, it just pulls this giant chunk. I mean, I'm like, mm, does she have something going on too? Maybe a little. Stupid. No, she literally told him. Pull, oh, he, oh he pulls I know. Her hair for things. She's no, pull it out. But that's because maybe it regenerates quick. I don't know if that I was think foreshadowing. He literally, just wanted to pull her hair out. Oh man, I that was just like, <laughs> wow. All right. Next up, uh, we got Jerome says telling you poop powers are coming. I mean, I know they did that in the animated thing. I don't think they're going to go that here because I again. Every bit of thing they do always has a narrative function. And I, I don't know. I'd, but you know, you listen, Jerome, I, I wouldn't put anything past him at this point. All right, next up, Daniel Dang writes, love all the obscure film references. Tony Gilroy had to reshoot this. And you're not Roger Deakins. I know that was so good. It was, uh, dude. You can tell. Look, you were mentioning that you can just tell the actors are having a ball. Yeah. I'm telling you the writers are having a ball. They are. Because they know we can say anything we want. <laughs> you can't write that stuff in anything else. But, you can but, say it here. But they're saying it because they know their audience gets yes. it. You know, and, and they're not and they're not just trying to be too obscure for obscure sake. They know that we're all right there with them. And I think that they know that their audience is fairly niche. You know, and and it's so beautiful to see that they really understand what we want. Yeah. Totally in tune. So well done. All right. Uh, next up, we got Attack of the Mushi who writes, Soldier Boy has a chest laser in the trailers. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that in the trailers. Anyway, I think he's the weapon a la Peter exploding in NBC's Heroes or X-Men's Havoc. 
Yeah, maybe he himself is the weapon. Maybe so. And maybe that's why the Russians took him, or or maybe that was all his own plan to fake his own. Dis- I mean, obviously, Soldier Boy's not dead, and right. we are going to find out. But the question is, what is Mother's Milk going to do when he finds out? And, and what exactly did Soldier Boy do to Mother's Milk's family? I'm sure there's a flashback scene coming at some point. All right, next up. Uh, the J. Shrey Way writes, Homelander is so relentless, Star is amazing. And look, you can have... The greatest actor in the world, if you don't have the writing there to back it up, it will not make a compelling character, but it goes both ways. You can have a well-written character. If you don't have a actor who and a director who are right on the same page with the writer in expressing and manifesting this character, then it won't work. And what we have here is brilliant writing with the performance to carry it and manifest it the way it needs to be. And it, it's given us one of the greatest, I'll go so far as to say this, one of the greatest TV villains in television history. Yep. Like, I, I don't mind saying that. I really don't. That's, but it's true. All right. Uh, Future Boy writes, off subject. Uh, no, we're not doing it. We're here to talk about uh, the boys. Thank you, Future Boy. All right. Uh, James Argenta writes, uh, uh, Karen uh, Fukunara do you mean Carrie Fukunawa? No, no, Karen, the girl that plays that plays um, Kimiko. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. I thought oftentimes people write in and it'll just be misspelling somebody else's name. Uh, revealed there will be a musical episode starring her character this season. Wow, are they really going to do a musical episode? Well, you know what? Boys? In the trailers, they had musical numbers that were more, that were not what we've seen already. I didn't. I didn't see those. Oh, oh yeah. my God, that's okay. Oh well, all right then. Let's. That would make a lot of sense. That makes sense, dude. All right, John Lee writes. I saw a theory that Homelander might have come from some parts of Soldier Boy's DNA, so Homelander might be related to Soldier Boy. I had that exact same thought when his his body was taken away. It's like, what if he becomes part of the experiment that ultimately led to the creation of Homelander? Which means Soldier Boy's Homelander's dad, daddy. Because remember. When he, before he murders that poor girl on the rooftop and sends her off to her death, he talks about, I came out of a dish. He said, it's not even my birthday. I came out of a dish, right? I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if, because remember, they also make comparisons in the strength levels between Soldier Boy and Homelander. They could be pointing us towards that. I I had that same thought myself, man. All right. Uh, Let's see. Next up. We've got, uh, was that John Lee? Yes. Uh, Senior Film writes, very curious about Soldier Boy and how he plays into the main story. And that flashback was cool. Well, so far, even if we learn nothing else about Soldier Boy, he his presence has set up the MacGuffin of the season. Yes. Whatever that weapon is, that's the MacGuffin of the season. And so whether whatever else we find out about Soldier Boy and how else he ties into the story and all that kind of stuff, They've already given him a narrative purpose for being here. You know, I had a thought when I was watching this that it, with this whole DNA, what if this is so terrible to say? <laughs> what if what if Stormfront is Homelander's mother and Soldier Boy is Homelander's father? And she'd been having an affair with her own son, knowing it. That's why she's That's like, some back to the future shit right there. But for done for real. <laughs> yeah. You oh, know, my and that's why we're gonna bring about the Fourth Reich. I mean, I know that's a little, but I was thinking to myself, I'm but like, but it's something they would do. Uh, that, that's what I was like. And there's something, and, and, and Homelander finds out about that. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to do that. Dude. I, I don't know that there's any floor that they won't break through and go further down. All right. John Lee writes, I saw a theory that Homelander might have come from some part. Oh, we already did that for one. Uh, senior film. Um, oh, is it the last? So, so I, you need to scroll down a little bit more. Um, I can read. I just can't see the title, the, the name of the person. What's the name of the person, Jonathan? It is Foxy Scorpio. Foxy Scorpio. There yeah, it yeah. is. Uh, writes, I always found Edgar's cavalier attitude towards Homelander suspicious and always thought he must have kryptonite ace up his sleeve. I was going to say earlier, I wouldn't be surprised at whatever weapon it is. They ultimately find out that uh, Edgar's got it. And that's why he doesn't, he doesn't, I mean, even the way he's talking to him on stage, like, he just speaks down to him so condescendingly, like as if he's not the most powerful being in the world. He's got something, whether it's your theory, Rob, that he's like Edgar himself is actually the alpha soup. Right. right. Or he's got access to whatever this weapon is. He's got to have something. And they're also setting him up. Talk about great villains. 
I mean, I Giancarlo Esposito, his demeanor, the way he delivers his lines and the way that other actor who played his younger self. There's just something about the cadence of his voice. Yeah. That is scary. AF. AF. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) He, he, he has to have the type of presence that as a mere mortal human man, he commands all soups. Like there, there's something to that. All right, guys, that'll do it for all of our super chat questions. But but Jonathan brought up accidentally, I think, but it reminded me. Jonathan brought up a, a, an image here that reminds me of what was actually my favorite scene so far. And this is it. This is my favorite scene of the boys season three so far. Not exploding bodies, not 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 a fight between U.S. military and rebels, not soldier boy punching a guy a thousand feet into the air, crashing him down to his death, not penis incursion, exploding human beings. <laughs> my favorite scene. And one of my favorite scenes of television in the last year or two was that scene where mother's milk and his ex-wife are simply sitting on the couch and he's opening his heart to her and saying these, he's revealing all of his struggles to her and she's just listens and then supports him and says, listen, I, I can't be with you, but you need to do what you need to do. And like, and like he needed that from her. You know what I mean? He's been trying to hold it together so much for his daughter in the vain and, and lost hope that maybe someday he can win his wife back, which is not going to happen. Not gonna, and she, she spells it out. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. But just the, the, the openness, the realness of the, the beauty and the pain of this scene. I'm telling you, I was watching that. And I'm thinking this is great television it's not great superhero television this is great tv and i loved this scene rob i loved it so much what did you think well it was so it was so poignant and also again you know when it started out you think that maybe there's a chance of reconciliation that she's going to say oh honey i love you too because that's you're so used to that and it's like nope she completely did not. Here he is pouring out his heart. And he, and he wasn't doing it to win her back. No, no, no. he was just. He, no, but just not, we're so used to these television tropes. Yeah. And I love that she stood her ground, you know, because, that, again, that speaks to the great writing. And like you said, I'm here to support you. I will always love you. But there is no way we are ever going to get back together. But, but it was really more of a direct thing of saying, listen, you're doing this partly for me. And yeah, I don't want you to be what you were, but you need to do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I'm out of the equation. So you, I can't want you to not be that for my own good here. You need, you've tried. And he's listing it off. I upped my dosage of my meds. I've seen the doctors. I try to do this. My ticking is back. My, all this kind of stuff. And she understands because she knows him better than anybody. She says, this is something you need to do. You need but to what go I, back. To, and it's like crazy. But what I did, did love about that too, is it showed that these are two people that do love each other. Yeah. Mutual respect. It wasn't, again, the, every scene in this show is never just about one thing. There's always multiple levels yeah. uh, uh, that are going on character-wise, situationally, and it's always surprising because they never play it safe. You never get the cliche, the the standard, oh, this is that trope. Right. They, You know, everyone talks about, well, it subverts expectations. This movie subverts, or this show, this, this show subverts expectations on a scene-by-scene basis. Yeah. And maybe at one point I'll feel that, oh, subverting expectations is their thing. But the writing is so strong. The characterizations are st- so strong. The motivations are so strong that when you watch this, I, I, I mean, as far as entertainment goes, I don't think I've ever watched anything quite like this before. Well, and to your point, when you said they subvert expectations, here's something that I've never seen done before in a show as effectively as this. It subverts your expectations every scene. But by the end of the scene, while it subverted your expectations, you're also like, that was still completely consistent with the characters and the narrative that yep. we've met so far. Like normally to subvert expectations means you go off the path, you go completely, right? And it doesn't always make sense, but they do it here. And you realize as crazy and as unseen as that was coming like we couldn't see that coming and out of left field you know what that is totally what huey would do that is totally what starlight would do it's crazy and you know even with like supersonic at first when you first meet him and the way that starlight and him are talking like remember the old where you wanted to hate that guy 
And as you got to know him a little bit more in the episode, by the end, you're just feeling, gosh, I hope he makes it past 5.5. I mean, will he make it? Because you actually genuinely like him. And they they first start out and introduce him as just, uh, you think he's going to be this typical meathead, ex-boyfriend type, and they're not. regrets losing her virginity to her. Yeah, I I mean, and it's not that way. And you just know whatever's going to happen, it's just going to end badly. And by the way, the majority of you guys said you do not believe he is going to make it. To the to episode six. We'll see about that. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for this installment of our The Boys After Show, our open spoiler discussion here for episodes one through three. Hey, listen, this is actually kind of a pilot. Do you guys like us talking about The Boys? Should we come back next week and cover episode four and then five, six, seven, whatever? If you guys think so, make sure you drop down a comment below and let us know that. Uh, but I've certainly wanted to talk about episodes one through three. This has been a lot of fun. Rob, thanks for being here and talking about The Boys with me. Where can people follow you online? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, RM Burnett. Find me on Twitter, Burnett RM. Find me on uh, my own YouTube page, Post Geek Singularity, and go to postgeeksingularity.com. Uh, and you guys, of course, can follow me on social media, on Instagram and on Twitter, simply at John Campia. Big thanks to producer Jonathan, Jonathan Voico for running the show today. Thank you to you guys for being here and following along with us. Big special thank you to all of you who sent in the thoughts, comments, observations, and sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. Number And you taught us some things as well. Yeah. Number two, <laughs> you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us here involved with the John Campia channel, thank you guys so much for your support. All right, guys, that'll do it for us for now. Have a great rest of your day and a fantastic weekend. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.